podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Forged in the fires of undersoil heating. Stronger than the steel of a stadium roof. Their name is uttered in anguish and ecstasy. It's all about the football gods. All they can do is hope they're smiling on them. Never seen, never heard, but with ultimate power, these are the football gods. With my dieselclaim.com. Their names are part of football folklore. They're often turned to in times of need. They can be a fan's last resort, but who are the football gods? In this weekly podcast, we offer the ultimate footballing role, total power over the beautiful game. I'm Tim Spears. And I'm Kate Mason. And we'll be pondering the important questions such as what moment are you wiping from history? Which flavour pie would be considered the food of the gods? And what are your football commandments? Given the power, how would you change football? So this week's football god is none other than Lightning Seeds frontman, Ian Brody. Ian's three lines anthem will forever be synonymous with football, but he's much more than that song. And the Lightning Seeds have got a great sits album out soon. A 35th anniversary tour is on sale now. They're playing everywhere from the Wolfram Hall in Wolverhampton to the Lead Mill in Sheffield. And he's recently released his new book, Tomorrow's Here Today. It's kind of mad to think that he's the Lightning Seeds have got a 35th anniversary tour because. Makes me feel pretty old, gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> and also the thing about the thing about three lions which we do talk about obviously at some point but it's not it's not the whole way through it's only one like quite really quite interesting bit where he speaks about it but um is that it has been rebooted in so many big tournaments right it's just a perennial favorite and it's yeah. so many different generations of football fan will have a memory of that song and they still will until we win a bloody tournament okay yeah it's negative if you put it like that like you know coming up to 60 years of hurt now and let's just keep changing the lyrics every time (laughs) for god's sake what's so interesting as well is that he um the way he threaded music through the whole conversation as well yeah like there was the the example he made the example of uh he was more interested in managers in some way than players because they're like the composer putting together the the orchestra and the whole way through, there was obviously like a thread connecting those two things. It's not just some like happenstance that he's a football fan and also he happens to have been a massive, to have written, you know, the thing that we so many football fans associate with, with England football. Yeah, totally. He just, he explained it in ways that I've never heard it before because I love football and I love music and I love putting the two of them together, but I can't explain why i'm not intelligent enough to know that but he sort of understands on a much deeper level uh the connection between the two i thought he he explained it brilliantly all right here he is then ian brody football god where did it all all sort of begin for you as, as a as a fan and when did you first start watching football well i'm i'm 65 years old so i first started watching football in the 60s and I'm from Liverpool. I, I don't know exactly how old I was when I got taken to the first match, but my dad and my uncles all used to go to the game. And I used to beg to go, you know, 
like they wouldn't take me I'd say well I'm going to support Everton but I never did <laughs> and um, and then it was a, a midweek game with floodlights and at that time you know that I think obviously it's the 60s and it's Liverpool so the Beatles are a big thing on football Bill Shankly's a big thing and I think they just kind of released You'll Never Walk Alone not long before. It was probably fairly new. But the cop was singing and singing and singing. And I, and my dad and my uncles, and I, so I kind of remember going in, floodlights, leads, bright white kit, Liverpool red kit, green grass, like overwhelming really, you know. And then this whole feeling of the people and everyone around you seem to know, say hello to my dad and all that sort of stuff. And then I'd never really seen grown men singing, you know, and it was it, so it was a, it was kind of a musical experience in a funny way. And in my head, but I think maybe it's not true. I, I see it as I see all those clips of the cops singing Scylla Black and Beagle songs. So in my head, that's what they're doing. But I can't vouch for the reality of that. I think that's my I might have didn't make that up. I've definitely seen some there's some clips on YouTube of of the cop singing like she loves you as, as no I've seen them as well and I think I don't know amazing. if I've slotted them into my memory or it's true you know right yeah um, is there a kind of a godly team like I'm a Liverpool fan I was never that big an England fan even though I ended up writing the song it was always about Liverpool but if you ask me the team that is just in you know that I think of as the sort of dream kind of you know, beautiful perfection, sunlight, kit, yellow, blue shorts, Pele. It's Brazil in that in the in the probably the seventy World Cup, I think it was. You know, and it's just so sunny. And I remember sitting watching it on the TV, and they were just so great. You know, and playing the ball. Around. So in my head, I think that's the best team I ever, or the most romantic idea of a team. It felt like it's beautiful, and people are doing the samba. And, you know, you know, and I, I'm almost embarrassed to say that because it should be Liverpool in the rain and wind at Anfield <laughs> winning against St. Etienne, you know, in the city, you know, but I think that Brazil team, just something about it that I just, is a dream, isn't it? It's just, that's, if, if football could be like that, if, I, if it was my choice, that's how football would be. Did they have a sort of like a mythical sort of quality about them then? Because, I mean, everybody's seen that fourth goal against Italy in the 70 World Cup final. But that's all I've seen, really. I've never sat down and watched a Brazil game from that time. Did they have this sort of aura about them? Yeah, you just felt like... I mean, it's it's such a... You know, obviously, at that time, like now, we know all the players. The mm. player, a lot of them play in the Premier League, in all the different teams in the world. But at that time, when it was a World Cup, all of a sudden, you know, Portugal, Brazil, all these, and you'd never heard of any of the players and you'd had no idea what they were going to be like. You'd heard of Pelé, probably. But, so you had no idea and you kind of were under the, well, the press were certainly under the illusion that we were the best footballers ever in England. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, be, you know, all these amazing, you know, and it was obviously the manager's fault that we were losing. I think now we might take a different, uh, you know, different approach when Ronaldo runs to the schools to go a lot messy. But then it was just like, you know, who the hell are these guys? Do you know what I mean? So you had no idea really, you know, and then you'd just be sitting in front of the screen watching. And like I say, you know, it's like sunshine, people doing the samba, 
them passing the ball about jinking through. It was fantastic. You know, it was like, um, it, it was like a different place, if you know what I mean. It was a different dimension, really, that um, felt like, you know, somewhere along where a long way away in a different hemisphere. And, you know, you, you as I say, you didn't really, you know, you, you didn't really know any of those things. You wouldn't have known, like if it, if it was now, You'd suddenly see Messi playing against him. You'd have no idea who that little bloke was, <laughs> you know. And it and it would be amazing, wouldn't it? You know, and it was. Sounds incredible. It sounds like so you were basically watching the World Cup on your own little individual scouting mission. <laughs> yeah, no, I would definitely have, uh, I'd have had them at Liverpool anytime. Your first job. It's day one as a football god for you, Ian. Yeah. What are you doing? What is your first job as football god? I do think there's a big division at the moment between the Premier League and football. And I love watching the Premier League, so I, it's totally hypocritical thoughts in my head. But sometimes when you see, you know, Accrington, Stanley, it's a, it's almost like it's become a different sport. Yeah, do you know what I mean? They're two different things. Um, so what would I do about that? I don't know. Would I have Accrington Stanley players playing for, for Liverpool? Probably not. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know what I would do with that. But so I, I, as I'd be useless as a god, but it bothers me on some level, and I wouldn't know how to fix it. But I love having all the foreign players playing here. I love the manager with you know, the managers and their take on things and how they've changed the culture of English football over the last 10, 15 years and made it so much more humanised. You know, I think. It's almost like I think Gareth Southgate's, although I'm not sure he's a great manager on the pitch, as a guy, he, I think he is almost like those foreign managers felt like Arsene Wenger coming in, you know, just talking about how people are off the pitch and what type of person they are and what a great guy they were. I just never heard that before. And it just became more inclusive, you know. Okay, so if we, I mean, I guess the first job then maybe would be to appoint some like, I don't know, some like advisory cherubs that would help Minister finesse. of Football Happiness. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I'd appoint sounds... the Minister of Football Happiness and Wellbeing. Yeah, okay, I'm with you. Okay, so in terms of what you're talking about, you want to have, you want football to feel more connected all the way down the pyramid for starters. As well, see, now it took me hours of waffling and I didn't even say it as well as that. But yeah, I think it would be nice if it was connected up and it was, and I love, you know, the connection to what the people are like and, and, and I'd like to mix the two because you don't get that in the lower leagues at all, really. Do you know what I mean? But that, if that could come together, the good things about that. What you said. Do you kind of mean like financial sort of levelling out a bit as well? I don't know. I don't know if that's a reality. Do you know no. what I mean? I just, well, it, I, is, it is if you're the god of football, Ian, this is it. You can change whatever yeah, you want. Yeah, but then I'd probably just do it for everyone except Liverpool. <laughs> ah, there we go. As long as we get the best players, everyone should be even. <laughs> but then how can you have the best games? You can't really want that as a football No, guy. I don't want that. I, but I, I can, and, and actually, I don't really mind even, you know, I think there's always been, in some way, it's always been a bit of an uneven playing field. I think that's part of the attraction of football is that you are against the odds and you're believing against belief and it's a half fantasy, but it might come true. And that's, in a way, the beauty of it. So those, like, you know, financial inequalities, I think they, you know, they were always there, probably just some chairman 
in the 60s had a bigger pie factory than the guy in a, who had a pie factory in, in, in Doncaster or something. So you're always going to get that. And I think it is, in a way, it's the idea of the underdog, you know, which which is the beautiful idea really, isn't it? You know, and, and so I wouldn't change any of that, to be honest. Would you consider yourself an England fan now, by the way? You mentioned earlier more of a Liverpool fan than an England fan. Uh, yeah, I... I, I um, I'm not a big fan of the uh, qualifiers, to be honest. I oh, love it when the competition's on. Yeah. And I become more of an England fan when the competition's on. When players are just going away to get injured, I'm less of a, of a fan. <laughs> I find yeah. the qualifications really boring. I think they should have two tournaments. Oh, yeah, football, golf, do away with the qualifiers. And I okay. think they should have a short tournament at the end of the season in between the competitions. And the winners of those tournaments should be should qualify rather than stretching it out in that boring way and interrupting the season at the back. Done. Okay. So it's a yeah, time frame would, that, situation as well, isn't it? It's about well, not this, making this, it drizzling this, on. This weird period where, you know, we all we all sort of love watching the Premier League and, and then it stops for two weeks like it has just done to watch two nil against Malta. And then one all in North Macedonia, and I'm sure you know what I mean? nobody cares. Like no, that, it's two weeks. Two weeks. I have a really busy schedule. You know, that's that's, that's what I'm saying. So I'm an England fan when there's a competition. When the when it's like this week, I, I, my focus is on the Premier League and I'm waiting for it to come back. You know, and I think it'd be better for the you know for the international team as well to just get together, spend a week together before and have you know eight days playing games. And then the, you qualify out of that little competition, and everyone goes on holiday till till the next till the next competition, you know. And I think that would be better. There probably are reasons why it's not like that. Someone will come up with all the reasons, but for me personally, I would much prefer. So, question three of ten in your role as football guard. Um, this can be a player, past or present. Who is football in perfection for you, Ian Brody? You can only go so far. So you see little grainy footage of Garincha, Pele, and all this. And I'm sure they, you know, it's a bit like you've got to be the best in your time. You can't compare times, really. And I think now is always the moment. And Messi is now. So it's Messi. Do you know, we've done a few of these, and I think you're the first one to actually pick Messi. Yeah, I just, I just think you can go back, and it's like, it's like the beauty of the, you know, you know. But really, football gets harder and harder, and the standards get higher, and fitness gets higher, and analysis gets, and it's harder and harder and harder. And for a player, so the player who's best now is the best, isn't it? You know, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, so you don't, you don't put much store in like thinking about how Maradona was battling across you know getting his head, leg chopped off by people throwing in terrible passes and uh, terrible tackles and not getting uh, yellow carded for it and yeah well that too <laughs> and, and you know the terrible pitches and stuff I suppose you can't you can't place those guys outside of that time is what you're saying I, as well it, that, that's you know and if you put Maradona here now uh, obviously he might be as good as Messi yeah, I mean he'd probably be better than Messi he's a fantastic player but I just, I just, it's like George Best, you know. I mean, George Best is running around all these blokes, but they've all been to the pub on a Friday <laughs> night, haven't they? And they don't train except for just kicking a ball around. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so who knows? 
I mean, I do love the clip of Maradona where you're doing the ball right up in the air to the music and doing all that. So the romantic side of me, you know, is very much, um, you know, but if you start doing that, how good was Stanley Matthews? You know, I don't know. I've no bloody idea, you know. And, you know, so you just keep going back and back. But just logically, to to score that many goals every season, you can say, oh, you know, there were terrible pitches and they were getting hacked to bits, which is totally true. But then the defences weren't as hard when they were fit to beat mm. and the tactics weren't as strong and the analysis wasn't. Yeah, do you, do you know what I mean? So yes. you're just in a game of, I don't know, do you know what I mean? But I do, I do know that when I, when I uh, you know, when I see Messi play a game in the modern game now, I think it's a thing of beauty. And have you seen him live? Have you seen him play in the flesh? Yeah, we hammered them though, didn't we? Liverpool, 3-0 down. Oh yeah, and of then, course. And then, you know, he called uh, James a donkey, didn't he? You know, and, <laughs> and he's very proud of that, James. Very to say, Messi called me a donkey because I fouled him, you know, like it's great does any Liverpool player fit this mould for you as well what is your and that, this can be throughout any time as well of course uh, I think we, we've had some fantastic players really um, you know I think the superhero Stevie G isn't he? he's just like you know come up through the club turn the game around at the Champions League final lived and breathed every moment you know brilliant but I loved Robbie Fowler just was a naughty boy his whole career and you know just fantastically talented you know but um you know a, a bit like maradona i suppose you know just you wondered what he was doing after the game uh and then you've got right through to suarez who you know in between biting people was incredible and then right up to mo salah you know who's been a revelation but i often think i, I do think the modern game is about managers it's really it's like chess being it's like beethoven you know the flute part might be amazing yeah. but he's written the flute parts in a way and he's given the guy the space to play the flute with everyone else going up do you know what i mean and i think sorry everything's music football to me, but, i love that i think um, that makes that makes a lot of sense but you know and i think in the modern game that is that and you've got to find the right chess piece you can do that when you make the space for them but uh i just think you know, there's certain managers who, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, Pep, Klopp, there's a few of them and we're lucky enough to have them here, you know. Sign up and join millions of sports fans putting their trust in MyDieselClaim.com. Proud sponsors of the football gods. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So we've gone from perfection and we're now going to go down to hell. And, and you have the opportunity now to damn someone to hell from the game of football. Now, it normally it's a play, it tends to be a player, but in your case, it might be a manager because as you pointed out, you feel like they're pulling the strings. 
But if there's someone who, in the course of your football supporting career, has has really got you and you just want to see them off, this is your see moment. Well, I'm, I don't want to be negative about anybody. I'm all about positivity, problem solving, forward to, you know, I don't like to do that. But I would say there is a picture of Vinnie Jones squeezing Gaza's balls. And I think there you have the yin and the yang, as it were. You, do you know what I mean? It's like there's, I don't want to see Vinnie Jones again, but I'd love to see Gaza again. I don't think he'd mind that, Vinnie. He, he plays up to that role, you know. Yeah. Um, okay, it's Vinnie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. No, it's probably that. all right. Do you know what I mean? But but it's like I'm glad that thing's gone. If you know what I mean, that kind of uh, you know that that thing really. I just I just think that was kind of such a negative, and and players like Gaza, you know, was such so it's, it's great to see them, isn't it? You know, I had a friend actually. And he was telling me that his dad was a footballer way back in the sixties, played forever, and that uh, at some game somewhere he went past this central defender, and the defender said, "If you do that again, I'm going to break your leg." And he did it again, and then while the ball was completely the other end of the pitch, the guy came over and broke his leg, and he never oh, played again. Jesus, you know. So you you wonder just what went on. You know, I remember him telling that story and I was like, God, you know, so that does make you feel like George Best, and, as you were saying in Maradona, they must have dealt with some serious kind of, you know, because I, I think games weren't televised and certainly the cameras were probably one camera mm -hmm. and most of the time no cameras. So but it never occurred to me that that sort of thing could happen just, you know, away from the action, you know. They, they were bad enough when... They knew the camera was on them anyway. Do you remember talking to Vinnie Jones? Do you remember the was it the '88 Cup final when the whistle blows for the start of the match and he basically tries to take Steve McMahon's kneecap off within about three yeah, seconds? Yeah, and didn't, well, even get, yeah. didn't even get booked. Roy Keane, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, Holland, you know, senior, you know. So there's still stuff that went on. I was just looking up the um, the Gaza the Gaza Vinnie Jones photo, and you can actually buy for a very reasonable price. Uh, a Paul Gascoigne signed version of that photo. <laughs> Is there a moment from your footballing life, footballing fandom, that you would like to wipe from history? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to shout too much at the games, you know, just at the players, you know. Uh, and I, and I, I kind of feel a bit embarrassed about that now. I think... No way. I just... I went through a period of being... It was like a bit of a release to me to go to the game. I mean, used to really shout, you know. Um, I suppose that's okay, and you you know you're allowed to do that. But I I kind of feel a bit like I'm no one listened anyway. But I just feel a bit. I don't know. Sometimes think about that. I think shouted at uh, Jamie Redknapp's quite so much, you know, or whoever it might have been, you know. Because also, lots of people don't reflect on that. Like so many people at games don't recognize that they're that guy you know yeah no i just and it dawned on me once i just it just dawned on me that you know so i'm not going to do that again no i don't want to do that you know. uh so, i assume we're know, talking we're talking negative things here yeah i just like, think well I played think, mate great boss. <laughs> exactly hard love you idiot oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> no i just um i don't know it's like i 
I mean, we discussed before before we started recording, we were discussing VAR, but I also think there's another side to that and you could go down the wormhole of VAR. But there's also this thing, I noticed it last night, I was watching the England game and Dion Dublin kept going on about the referee. And I felt like it's a real thing here that we just go on about the referee. And actually, you know, it was a 50-50 decision and he gave it. And it wasn't like, wasn't like terrible, you know. And I think that's something that here we've got a real. I mean, the referees are terrible. I have to say, the referees are terrible. So I'm going to do the same thing now. In fact, I've just ruined the whole thing because they are terrible. <laughs> but I just think I'm sick of people going on about them in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Really, you just in in some ways, like we were talking about, you know, there's always going to be financial disparity. The referees are always going to be pretty bad so that you know forget all that and win the game and that's you know do you know what i mean and i i i'm not practicing what i preach because i go mad when they some of the decisions when i'm watching the games they do absolutely annoy me but i do and i just noticed it last night came to my i just thought god they all, we are always on about the ref you know and especially you see in internationals because everyone's on the same side and it was, um, and he was a bit of a, a, not a great ref, but he wasn't as bad as the ones who did Liverpool Tottenham. Do you know what I mean? Uh, is Kate going to agree with that as a Spurs fan? Not sure about that. <laughs> you'd have to. You'd have to. I don't think. I don't think it's anything noticeable Spurs, silence there. I've got to say, but yeah, nothing against Spurs. Just you know, I'm, um, did I, you hear the recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, and I, and I, I don't know, man. I kind of felt a bit sorry for them, to be honest. I mean, maybe, yeah. yeah, I can't, I can't put myself in, well, I can't put myself in your shoes. I'd be very fucking pissed off. No, no, not but, so much the results. I just felt, I just felt like if that's what they do, I think a lot of people thought, you know, I, 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 there's something about, oh, we're going down the VAR road. I don't want to do it. There's something right. about someone making a decision in real time. That's okay. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And, and I, and, you know, afterwards you just go, oh, you got that wrong, you know. But it's about people watching your screen miles away and not seeing what everyone in the world can see is worse to me. Than, and and it doesn't seem to cure the problems. I, let's not talk about pain. I think, I, I don't know if it's still true, Tim probably would know better than me, but I know that one of the issues was supposed to, they do it, they did it all in silence. So there's this weird thing where they're all in their, their VAR booth back at Stockley Park and it's silent. And... Yeah, of course, it's useful to take away the kind of fan pressures of the stadium. But I don't know. It's very fucking weird to watch. Sorry, I'm swearing loads now. Now I've started. Um, It's very odd to watch. Let it all out. (laughs) Yeah, it's very odd to watch a game of football without any sound, as we'll remember from from the pandemic. I I I sometimes do that because I find the the, uh, commentary so annoying, you know. So sometimes, you know, on I won't do that. But sometimes, you know, I feel like it's very biased when I'm watching a Liverpool game and I'll turn it off. It's just I find it better to do that. But, um, yeah, no, I know what, I know what you mean. But I, it feels to me like that we just constantly make more rules and more subtleties in the rules. And then we say, well, that's not a penalty because his arm's there. And, it, you know, and, it, and it's like it, it, it's a never-ending road, if you know what I mean. And then next season we change it a little bit more next season. And I think it's just kind of better to to go with someone genuinely making a mistake, really. Do you know what I mean? Because you're just going to be on a continuing... Uh, I'd like to see 
AI doing the offsides and the goal line technology and the ref doing everything else himself. So you'd reinstate yeah, the hand. Agree with you that. wouldn't. You wouldn't wipe the hand of God then. No, actually, no, I wouldn't. Actually, no. You know, it, 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 it's you just win. Any any player tries to win, and if they get away with it, and they get away with so much on the pitch, is there any difference of the hand of God to diving or to you know pretending you've been hit in the face or which every player I've seen every player do all those things. You know what I mean? So you know annoying but you know then you've just got to score another goal that's my that's my outlook honestly because i think there, there's always going to be bad decisions so even in the liverpool game against your team tottenham even in that game i just felt like i, I quite enjoyed we were 10 men you know right at the end we let an own goal in but i felt we could have won without well with if we don't have the offside goal so and it's sometimes the adversity of that. That's what's great about football, isn't it? The ref got it wrong and we're going to win anyway. You know what I mean? I think it, it feeds into the whole, you know, life's not fair type of vibe, really. Do you know what I mean? But I, I, I kind of embrace that within football. My Diesel Claim sponsors the football gods. Check if you are eligible for significant compensation for free at mydieselclaim.com. You are now able to banish one thing from football. I feel as though quite a lot have come up already. But is there, if you if you only got I'm, a I'm one answering shot? answering 10 questions at once, aren't I, I feel? Yes, levels. There's layers. But, uh, <laughs> no, I think she'd only be able to sing for your team. I don't think she'd be able to sing, you know, anything else, just positive for your team. Uh, I'd like that. I think that'd be really good. And, and it'd be a competition between, you know, like the best songs, you know, about their team. I like it. I feel this has got legs. You get Simon Cowell to be the commentator just on the songs. <laughs> there, there is like a real lack of originality, I think. I don't know. If, I th- Liverpool are probably one of the better ones, to be honest. But in terms of terrace anthems these days, there's the yeah, lack of originality. Come up with, not so much, but they have great songs about individual players. Uh, I'm always, and I, I never know how people learn them. And I'm at the game and I'm like, I'll say to Riley, what are they saying there about Lewis D? And there'll be a Lewis D. I'm like, oh, it's great. Though. You know, and the, they do seem to have songs about all the players. I, I don't know if every club does that, probably do. Um, not, not the odd one here and there, but Very. not like proper sort of Kate's racking her brains here. I can see the, the cops I'm trying to think if I can forehead. list them out. Yeah. Spurs have the the sunny one. That's pretty good. Yeah, there's. I mean, you wouldn't get the whole. T- you wouldn't get everyone in a whole team. No, I wonder if she gets songs with you. But I we've got ones of the main people. I think a lot of the regulars probably seem to, you know, probably have one. But um, yeah, no, I, mean, I like that. I, I like the idea that you know, some that someone's taking the time to write a song about a player that's seen the world. You know, pretty good. Yeah. Well, I can never, they always say, oh, well, that's the Beach Boys or something. I'm like, I cannot hear the Beach Boys. Like, what's the one that is the Beach Boys? And everyone sings it. Uh, I can't know what it is now. And I'm like, I, I can't hear the Beach Boys in that at all. It is mad how they come up with them. Was that one, remember the Soul Shards at the Wheel one they used to sing for years? Was it Stone Roses? I was like, how do, how do they come up with that? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, um, <laughs> I love all that. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I think I think the, the worst, the worst 
songs in football are ones that are about the opposition. They're the ones yeah. that tend to dredge you up, you know, really horrific sort of offensive yeah. stuff. And, and even whatever. when they don't, just um, let's not go there. Just keep mm. it about us, you know. This is nice. This is an idyllic sort of image of a watching a football game. I like this. The lovely um, world, my world. <laughs> <laughs> What's the one sort of song that you think of when you think of football? Now, this can be... This could be a very obvious answer as soon as you're here, but this can be, or like a terrace anthem, or is there a, is there a song that you really identify with football? No, there's there's moments I really identify, like when you know the uh, Dortmund fans about, you know, and there's there's fantastic sights. But I know I'm a Liverpool fan, but I I think you'll never walk alone, which is a song about community, being together. Everything you know, it, I just you know from Carousel, obviously. So it, it's not written as a football song, which is a plus as well, I think. And you know, you have teams from you know like Germany, you know, different teams have it as their anthem. And I think it's just a song that's. Um, I don't think you could have a better song than that because there's something about football as well about the. You know, when you go to a game and there's. And if there's away fans as well, but the home fan, I mean, 40,000 home fans, all willing the same thing, all that energy of willing the same thing at the same time, and that kind of blanket of kind of emotion that everyone's united in. And I think You'll Never Walk Alone just absolutely encapsulates that in a song, you know. So it's it's an incredible fit, really. It's... it's uh, you know, and, and for me, it is a really emotional moment a lot of the time. When that gets sung, it reminds me of a lot of people who aren't there anymore. A lot of people I've been with when they've sung it and then they're not alive anymore. It, and it just brings up, I get, you know, I can get quite emotional with that song. And it's not really about football and it's not really about, and it's not about the opposition and it's, it's just this beautiful thing, you know. So that for me is the ultimate song. We had uh, uh, David Seaman on a few weeks ago, and um, he, I think he gave three lines as his answer, didn't he, Kate? And he was, because um, you know, you talk about those moments with tens of thousands of people together after the sort of Spain and Germany games that summer, those images are so powerful of the whole stadium singing, you know, your song. What, 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 what was, what's it like to be in, in that? I mean, obviously, I'm only a third of that song. But from my point of view, I wanted to write a You'll Never Walk Alone. It was like, don't want the team on it. Don't want it to be saying we're going to win. Just want it to be about what, you know, being a football, you know. So there was a lot of the ethos of that of that went into it. Um, and when people actually, I wasn't expecting people to sing it, to be honest, you know. And when they did start singing it, you know, yeah, I mean, you're, it's, it's fantastic, you know. And, and I think the emotion around that summer, and I get why David Seaman, because I think, you know, maybe that's, you know, that was such a moment and he's in the centre of that moment, the goalie, so near yet so far, you know, and the competition for the first time. I mean, because obviously it's coming home has been taken and used, just like every piece of music is, you know, you, you make a record and it's this little bubble of emotion and it goes out in the world and people can, re can make it mean whatever they want. But obviously it was initially about the fact that it was a big deal that there was going to be a competition here and there hadn't been since the World Cup. So 
that's what coming home was. It was we're having a competition, you know, and now it's become we're going to win a competition, and it gets it gets changed all around uh, the place. But I think that summer it was just great weather. I went to see Italy versus the Czech Republic at Anfield, and you had all these getting all these players there, and it was it was really cool, you know. And that was the song that you know crystallised that moment. It's an amazing thing because you t- you talk about and obviously understand pretty much as well as anybody that link between music and football. So to to add to that canon, you know, it must be an amazing thing to to look back on and be proud of. Yeah, well, I you know, it's not just music and football. I mean, I think music is magic. You know, it is sorcery. It is some way of speaking to one another in a way that we can't explain. And it is an amazing thing that you know, someone, some bloke in Liverpool sing something you know didn't exist and then you pretend it exists and then it exists somehow and, and then it goes out over the airwaves which i don't understand at all it's someone in mexico who's got nothing in common with them their life is totally different and they relate to that song and 20 years later you're at a festival in mexico and that guy is singing your song back at you and you're like if that's on magic what is it you know and at the greatest moments, the most emotional moments of your life. You know, if it's a wedding or a funeral or a football game or, you know, you sing, you know. And when you're so sad, it's a song that can make you, you know, maybe even wallow in it but get better or, you know. So I think it's underestimated. And the connection between football, which is obviously high emotions, I think, you know, football is a kind of strange thing, isn't it? Because where else would you get so many people in such a heightened state and maybe in a different country? You know, when are you going to get 20,000 British blokes in a heightened state? You're only in a war or a football game. That's the clip for Twitter. Get get that get that clip <laughs> yeah, <done. definitely. laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you're re- you're really like not. David Bellamy on the screen there. It was like, <laughs> but I think no, it's such a huge point, and it's interesting that that blokes become comfortable with the idea of singing. Just as long. I tell as you they're... what, they're not that comfortable when you'll never walk alone starts, and then you get to a bit where it was really high. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But everyone gets that little bit less comfortable, you know. But you're right, you know, it's like, you know, it's a freedom, isn't it? Music is a free, a way, it's a certain type of freedom. Do you think that there's a way of making people more comfortable with it, given that how valuable it can be? You know, there seem to be these areas where people sort of understand, sort of accept singing in public and maybe it'd be different if we were Welsh, but... I feel like there's lots of people who are missing out on experiencing the joy of music. And, and it's funny because they've got this small access to it in this specific conversation that we're talking about, like in a Well, there's so many gigs though now. You know, there's so many gigs and I think live music has become, you know, kind of dwindled for a while, but now live music's such a, a big kind of thing. So I think people, I think music is kind of, you know, it's, it's big at the moment I think you know it's kind of in everyone's life in a big way but you know the, if someone sings the world isn't the worst place whoever is singing do you know what I mean it, it's it's definitely doesn't make anything worse you know? 
Yeah. As long as they're singing the right things, positive <laughs> about their own team. <laughs> uh, we're going to bring you uh, perhaps singing into the next part of this uh, this football that we're building it's kind of football composite and we are now watching a game of football you are watching a game of football and you get to choose whoever it is that you're watching and it can be people you've not met from history that you'd just think would be hilarious to watch football with or inspiring it could be whoever you regularly do it with I mean the Beatles didn't really like football did they they just kind of they didn't really uh, embrace which is funny because you know from Liverpool and everything you know but they just didn't seem to uh be bothered really you wouldn't even know john lennon supported um maybe you could persuade them yeah you know i'm not sure you can dodd supported but i wouldn't mind watching him game with him <laughs> with his tickling stick well, um, wasn't expecting you to say that to be honest with you. <laughs> i wasn't expected to say that to be honest it's kind of went from john lennon to, to ken dodd um i like watching football with riley I really like watching football, Ryan. I used to like watching him with my dad. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about football is it connects the generations. And even when you're about 10 years old, you can have your opinion about football and it's just as valuable as your dad's opinion or your brother's opinion. So it's something the whole, you know, you could, you could connect and it goes across generations and stuff like that. And I think that's one of the beautiful things. So I kind of like to watch it with my dad and Riley and the brothers. <laughs> um, do you remember taking Riley to his first game? Do you know what? That's an interesting point. I don't really remember. He might remember his first game. I don't remember. You know, I don't really remember. That's that's mad, isn't it? I don't remember what, when I first took him. He takes me now, yeah. But uh, yeah, he would have been, you know, five or six. Would have been. Five. I remember. I remember taking him to matches, obviously. But I don't remember the first one. I wonder if it's because we moved from Liverpool, so maybe it wasn't Anfield. Because I love going to Anfield. I'm not a big fan of going to away matches, which makes me not a proper fan at all. Mm-hmm. I just really like going to Anfield. You know, I still talk about it in my book actually. That I've just, I've just, I've just done my memoirs, and there's this bit where I say, like when I was a kid, my uncle. And my dad and all that, and it's it's very easy. It's like got like, two roads to get to Anfield from where we were at Penny Lane, and uh, they just used to argue about the best way to go with the traffic every week. It was a continual, you know. And then later on, my brothers and them really falling out with each other over the way to go. And I went to the game the other week, and it was my nephew and Riley, my son, and I was in the back seat, and I haven't been for a while, and they were just constantly arguing about the way that they should go and there was something really beautiful about it you know it was like this argument's been going on since 1966 or something of the best way to get like literally two miles across liverpool you know and uh yeah if anyone listening to this has got a good route let us know i bet everyone has (laughs) everyone has um right a couple of questions to go in on your football gods journey so we've established uh, you'll never walk alone as your sort of football song you're watching a game with your son Riley what about food what would you be eating uh, what's your football sort of food of the gods is there something you really associate yeah, with yeah well I'm, that's football? a bad question for me because I'm pescatarian gluten free and dairy free so 
crikey. I can't eat anything at the game, really. Do you know what I mean? I, I very little I could eat. So I just, um, I don't have a pie. Don't do any of that. But if you're a god, you could send your cherubs off to get something. What would they okay, go and fetch for you? I love a gluten-free, vegetarian, chicken and mushroom cooker pie. Okay. Because so it's, it's a pie. You should be eating a pie at the football field. And I do like those pucker vegetarian pies before I gave up the gluten and used to really like them. So if they did a gluten-free one, I think that's probably ban the bag of chips. Mind you, it might be summer. It might be summer. Rethink this. Yeah, if it was summer, I'd just have lolly ices with Nice. That would be it, really. Just different flavoured lolly ices with the odd midi. Uh, yeah, pr- pretty, pretty good, pretty good answers. Again, unexpected. <laughs> I don't think so I know what a Mivi is. What's a Mivi? It, isn't that a lolly ice with ice cream in the middle? The list of things I don't know is is extremely long. So don't well, maybe I've made that up. Have you heard of a Mivi? No, not heard of a Mivi. Right. Okay. So that's a specific uh, okay, right. kind it's of a ice cream, is it? Is yeah, a Mivi ice cream that, in the middle of a lolly ice? Um, all right. Last one then, Ian. Uh, before we kind of ascend into heaven, um, what you've got a game that you can make last forever. What is it? The, the tensest, the most tense. I mean, I do hate penalty shootouts, but when you win them retrospectively, they're amazing. But at the time, hard to bear. But I think Liverpool in the Champions League final, 3 0 down, 3 all, penalty shootout. I think that's the, I'd extend that moment. You know, that was a great moment. As long as if I extend it, you still win. And I guess Otherwise, maybe it would be helpful to know that you were gonna throughout. Yeah, and I'd have to have the free knowledge to win. <laughs> so I have no tension whatsoever. Just be you know leaning back on the chaise long cocktail in hand, watching the belt shoes out, knowing we win. <laughs> I actually, yeah, because you sometimes have that experience these days with the if you're watching it on a stream or is, or when you're watching it on the stream and it's slightly behind, and then someone tweets and you know that the goal's gone. Yeah, in. yeah, no, it's not I, as satisfying I, though, is it? You know, when, when I'm watching the game, Riley watches it on an app, and mm. he's we're, we, so we phone each other, but then I pause and we count it so we get the time exactly right. Nice, and then we phone each other during it. But then if someone else phones, you know, the phone goes, it's their brother. I'm like, oh, no, someone scored. I don't know who, but I'm not answering, you know. My Diesel Claim sponsors the football gods. Check if you are eligible for significant compensation for free at mydieselclaim.com. Well, we've got your 10 answers, Ian, so we're going to turn them into 10 commandments. So your glory team is 1970 Brazil. Good choice. Uh, your first godly act is going to be uh, appointing a minister of football happiness and well-being, uh, and also you're going to do away with uh, qualifiers, which is a good idea. Um, football imperfection for you is Lionel Messi. We're going to get Dan Vinnie Jones to hell. Off he goes. Fair yes. enough. Um, and uh, to wipe a football moment from history, you're going to you're going to get rid of your own shouting at games from from years gone by. You're going to be banishing from football, um, singing negatively about the other team. So everyone's got to just have a whole load of songs that are positive about their team and none of this dissing stuff. Godly food, specific to you, is going to be imported by cherubs, gluten-free, vegetarian, chicken and mushroom pie, plus in the summer, 
lolly ice creams, which are called... Lilies. What it was. You're going to be watching it with your dad and with Riley. Um, and that's one of the beautiful things we talked about as well, about how football connects the generations. Listening to the song, not Three Lions, but you'll never walk alone. And you're going to have Istanbul 2005 as your, uh, as your game. My extended coverage. Ah, Good list. Sounds all right, sounds all right I'm doesn't happy it? with that. Yeah, thank you. That's all good. Oh, thanks so much, Ian. Thank you. Really nice. Good, good fun. Thank you very much. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Tim Spears, and you've been listening to Football Gods. See you next time. The Football Gods is a voice work sport production. Sports Social Podcast Network.